the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother of us all. Amen. When I was a kid, I had a lot of questions. I wanted to know why things happened. I wanted to know where things came from, who people were, and how things worked. And my parents did a great job of fostering that in me. They told me that wondering was really important, that as long as I wondered about things, I would be learning. They said that, at least, until I started having a lot of questions about God and about church that they had no idea how to answer, and I think they started to kind of regret the whole wondering helps us learn thing. For me, it was like a flip switched one day, and I realized this whole God thing doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I know we worship God, but who is God? And if God created the world, who created God? And then the big one, the one we're celebrating today on Holy Trinity Sunday, what in the world does it mean to be one in three and three in one? How is that possible? What does that look like? I wasn't yet in kindergarten when all these things started bubbling up in my life, but one of my earliest memories is of my parents pushing me toward the pastor in the receiving line after church one day, kind of saying, just ask him. <laughs> and I feel so sorry, so sorry for him. Pastor Tom, standing in front of me, kind of crouched down. And I said, Pastor Tom, what is the Trinity? And I saw his eyes get, like, really wide and look really afraid. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know. And as a kid, I was super appalled by that. I was like, you're a pastor. How can you not know? And now, having graduated from seminary last week, I can tell you with certainty that the faithful answer I have to what is the Trinity is still, I don't know. That's the most faithful answer I have. It's a very understandable impulse. It's one that we all have, I think. We want more than anything to be able to understand God. We want to be able to wrap God up in a nice box, carry God around, hold God in our hands, have God make sense. We want that because we live in a very overwhelming and scary and big world. So we want some measure of control. We live in a world where bad things happen to good people, and people keep fighting, and war keeps happening, and it doesn't feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so we want to hold God in our hands like a security blanket to pull God close and to know that we are safe. So it's scary to have questions. It's scary to not really understand God or be able to pull God close in our hands. We heard the story of Nicodemus a few months ago, actually. <clears throat> you might remember hearing it. But today we hear it again because this is Holy Trinity Sunday. And we have a lot to identify with Nicodemus today. Nicodemus, an educated man with some pretty impressive credentials, is not only a Pharisee, but he's a ruler of the Jews. Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. 
He's the guy who's supposed to have all the answers, the one who the community turns to in fear, looking for some clarity, for a sign of hope in the midst of a scary world. And that's normal. It's normal as a community to turn to a leader, like I turned to Pastor Tom when I was a kid, asking for help and asking for answers. But Nicodemus's issue is this. Unlike Pastor Tom, who admitted to me, I don't know, Nicodemus still thinks it's his job to have all the answers. He still thinks he's capable of knowing. And that's hurting Nicodemus because it's keeping him from experiencing the wonder and confusion and awesomeness of all that God is. Nicodemus is walking around with a box that he's created for himself. He's wrapped it up nicely. It's supposedly his idea of God, but he hasn't figured out yet that that box is hollow and it's not going to bring him life. His understanding of who God is is so limited that it's keeping him from abundance. But I do think Nicodemus can tell that something's wrong, that some of his answers maybe don't make sense, or that people in his community have started asking questions that he can't answer. So he goes to Jesus in the cloak of darkness because he's so ashamed of his own wondering that he can't stand to be seen asking questions during the daytime. Now my favorite thing about Nicodemus is this. He starts his conversation with Jesus not by asking a question, not by admitting that he has some wondering going on. Instead, he just says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs from you apart from the presence of God. And then he just stands there. He doesn't add a question mark to it. He doesn't say anything else. He just kind of stares down Jesus, daring him to tell him otherwise, daring him to give him more. He refuses to ask a question because he's scared. I think that Nicodemus is afraid of asking the question that reveals how much he doesn't know. And I think we all know what it's like to live in a world where we feel pressured to always have the right answer whether that be in response to a social issue or on a test or a box on an election ballot. We're surrounded by all of this pressure to know the right things and do the right things, and we've tied our self-worth to that so much that we live in fear of being wrong or asking the question that reveals how little we know. We're a lot like Nicodemus. We know that there's more to the world than our own experience or knowledge, at least I hope we do, but it's still a little scary to ask the questions. So Jesus, in a moment of sincere grace and mercy, can tell how much this bothers Nicodemus, can tell that he's uncomfortable. So he tries to set Nicodemus free from the change that he has wrapped himself in, and he calls a thing what it is. He says, Nicodemus, are you telling me that you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know? And I used to read that as Jesus mocking Nicodemus for being confused. Jesus being sassy, saying, are you really telling me you don't know? But today, on Holy Trinity Sunday, I read that as Jesus being kind and compassionate, giving Nicodemus permission to say those words that he's so afraid of. 
to say, I don't know. Jesus goes on to talk about how God loves the world so much that God sent Jesus to live with us and to die for us. That spirit of God lives among us and that when we place our trust in God, we will have eternal life. That the spirit of God will fill our lungs and wrap us in baptismal waters and the promise of love that never ends. Jesus says, God is mighty and complicated and confusing, and that's okay. It's okay if we don't understand because this has never been about understanding. This has never been about having all the answers. Being loved by God is about placing our trust in one who is also three and is magnificent and is so awesome that we can't fit God in a box, which is great news. Because if we could fit God in a box, that would be a pretty small God. Now that's all fine and good. But if you're like me and if you're like Nicodemus, you still have questions. Like, what does the mystery of God mean for my life? Or when I pray, who am I supposed to picture? I think those questions are ones that we'll never get past, and that's okay. I think it's good to wonder. And so I suggest that we lean on the passage from Isaiah this morning. Isaiah, a prophet, a person who people came to in need of answers, kind of like Nicodemus, tells his community about this awesome vision he has. He says he saw God sitting on a throne surrounded by heavenly beings flying around, wearing a robe that was so big its hem filled the whole room. The heavenly hosts are praising God, singing about how wonderful and amazing and fantastic God is. They're singing the song that we sing every week before communion. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Isaiah never sees God's face, but he hears God's voice and he knows that he's in God's presence. Now, I love... (coughs) I love this image of God because... It is the most over-the-top, outrageous, fantastic, amazing vision. God's robes are like Meghan Markle's wedding veil at the royal wedding last weekend, if you saw it. Just imagine, they're filling this whole room. They're overflowing. People are tripping on God's robes. God is fabulous. And that's what Isaiah and Nicodemus can help us with today. The God we know and who knows us is a God of serious extravagance, of over-the-top love, of hope, and of joy. God's awesomeness fills the room and fills this whole world. And God is too over-the-top to be understood. Instead, God's one in three and three in one. God is the life that we breathe, the friendship and salvation that we know in Jesus the beating of our hearts, and the stirring of the wind. God is in the flowers. God is in the eyes of our neighbors. God fills this whole entire world with promise and hope and love, and we can't go anywhere without tripping on it. This day, Holy Trinity Sunday, is a day when we get to rejoice 
and how outrageous and confusing and awesome God is. Even though we know what it feels like to be scared and to feel need and to want to have all the answers, God is a God of extravagance and God is fabulous. God gives us permission to let go of control, to stop trying to pull God close like a blanket, because God's awesome and fabulous robes have already wrapped all of us in love. We can't pull God close in our hands because God already pulls us close. God loves loving us loves loving this whole world, and God doesn't make sense, which is okay, because it means that we get to keep being surprised by how fabulous God is. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Amen.